minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. In this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. So what's happening is as they're training and as, as their bodies open up, the garbage that's been accumulating in their tissues because the capillaries were closed. When those capillaries open up, the garbage sweeps out into their blood immediately. As that blood flows through the lungs, the volatiles go off and they exhale and you smell what's been polluting them. Anything you do to cause the red blood cells to dump more oxygen in the peripheral tissue basically makes it so those white blood cells are swimming around in a more oxygen rich bath. All of us listening to this podcast are well aware of the importance of sleep. Sleep is when we burn more fat. We make metabolic changes that help to maintain a healthy weight set point and insulin sensitivity. It's when we produce energy that allows us to go all day long and have that high level of focused productivity and flow state to get more done and condense time and achieve our goals faster. And it's also when we clear toxins from our brain, the same toxins that have been shown to cause neurodegenerative disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia. Our environment has changed a lot over these past few years. We're spending more time on screens than ever before. And the artificial light from our desktop computers, our laptop computers, and our cell phones has been shown in scientific studies to drive down melatonin production. Now, why is that bad? Well, melatonin is your body's sleep hormone. And when melatonin hormone levels drop, your body is unable to clear those toxins from your brain. And it's also not able to go into those deep states of REM and deep sleep where we're clearing those toxins and we're restoring the body and mind. And one of my favorite biohacks to overcome that, because let's be honest, a lot of us need to be on our devices for our work or for maintaining social relationships is blue light blocking glasses, but not just any blue light blocking glasses, because I've tried close to a dozen over the past few years and many of them just look goofy. Blue Blocks has come out with stylish blue light blocking glasses that are laboratory produced with high quality glass lenses. And they've been proven to block blue and green light, the same frequencies that drive down melatonin in the 400 to 550 nanometer range so that you get better quality sleep, your hormones are imbalanced, working the way that they are supposed to, and you wake up in the morning feeling refreshed. It's one of my favorite biohacks for optimizing my sleep. And <laughs> I've noticed that it's the only only pair that I've actually stuck with wearing. I ended up getting all three pairs. I start the day with the clear ones. I transition to the yellow ones later in the day and around sunset, I put on the red Sleep Plus Maverick ones and they've made a big shift in optimizing my sleep and my quality of life and I know they'll do the same for you. If you guys wanna check it out, go to www.blueblocks.com forward slash biohacks. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S and enter discount code BIOHACKED. That's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-E-D to save some dough. 
Hey guys, Anthony here, and I just wanted to give you a big biohacked thank you for listening. I'm so humbled and grateful that you're spending some of your day with me and the Biohacking Secrets Show. And if you get any value from this episode, or you've gotten value from previous episodes, it would mean the world if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends, family members, and coworkers on social media. That way we can continue to spread this information and positively impact as many lives as possible. And it's also how our podcast gets discovered by more people. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. Anthony DiClemente here, and I am excited about this episode because in this episode, I sit down with Mark Squibb, who is the innovator behind adaptive contrast training, otherwise known as oxygen training. Now, this is a form of exercise where you fill a reservoir bag with oxygen, and you do intervals of going at a very high intensity at low oxygen, and then you flip a switch and get your body about 75, 80% plus oxygen. So about four times what you're breathing when you breathe normal air and exercise the traditional way. And what we see with this type of technology, someone that's training for a year, exercising regularly may see a 5% increase in their VO2 max. Well, people using oxygen training like we're going to discuss on today's episode are seeing an 8% increase in VO2 max in one week. We've got research showing that after 11 weeks, they're seeing a 29% increase in their VO2 max. But where this really is exciting for entrepreneurs and business people is that it drives oxygen into the brain. And and what we see over a period of a few weeks is a 27% higher brain oxygen usage or oxygen utilization in the brain. This means you have more energy, you're better able to focus, you have heightened cognitive endurance. So if you're an entrepreneur or a business person, you're going to really want to pay attention and utilize this technology to get more results, better results in the same or less time. We've got a bunch of our pro athletes using it. It's pretty exciting stuff. And the applications are wide spanning from autoimmune issues to inflammation and of course, cognitive function, as I mentioned, along with increased performance, VO2 max. We see greater glucose disposal. So people that have elevated blood sugar doing this type of training, they're able to start losing weight again. And it it really is very, very exciting and has many ways that it can improve quality of life and overall health and performance. So we've got a discount set up for you guys where you can go to live02.com slash biohacks, or you can call them at 970-658-2789. We've got that set up through December 15th. 2019. So depending on when you're listening to this, if it's after that date, you may want to just hit up customer support and see if they can still hook you up with a discount. But this is something that I personally invested in myself. We're not uh, we're not doing this because they incentivized us to. It's, it's something that I believe in, something that I use, and something that I shelled out my own hard-earned dollars for. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show with Mark Squibb. Mark Squibb, welcome to the Biohacking Secrets Show. Thank you, Anthony. Good to be here. (laughs) So I've now stopped huffing and puffing, but when we first got on, before we hit record, I had just finished up my first all-out workout on the Live O2 machine. 
the uh, doing some oxygen training. I assembled my Rogue Echo bike, and then uh, basically warmed up at high oxygen, and then would do these all out ninety to one hundred percent sprints at low oxygen, and then recover on high oxygen. And I had not felt like that in a long time, but I'm feeling fantastic right now. And I'm excited to talk with you about what this technology is doing for pro athletes, how you're seeing it help people transform their cognitive health and how entrepreneurs are using it to get more benefits in less time from their training. It's going to be fun, man. (laughs) You got it. For, For people who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about O2 training or oxygen training, adaptive contrast, whatever vernacular you prefer, what's going on here and what's happening in the body when we do this type of training like I just did? Well, the easy way to think about it is you go out and exercise. And when you exercise, particularly with high intensity interval training, you blast out, you run a sprint, and then you get to the end of it and you're bent over huffing and puffing. Okay. And so what's happening there is you're maximum exertion. And when you get to the backside of that, your body's spending all its energy, basically breathing, but breathing is a fancy process. You bring oxygen in the lungs. Like for example, you and I sitting here blabbing, you know, we're breathing, but we're not doing anything to move the oxygen from the lung to the tissue. So if you go back and you think about live O2 and the process, what it does is it takes us all back to when we were like 13 years old and strong and strong and healthy, and we were able to run those sprints and stop at the end and huff and puff, which would get our body to do nothing but breathe as hard as it can. Okay, and when you do that, you know, all your energy is going into moving the oxygen from the lung to every place else. So what we did with Livo2 is we said, okay, how can we maximize that? So we, you know, by matter of I'll call it, I'll tell some stories later on, but you know, the goal was to to get to the point where we could oxygenate the different parts of the body, like the brain. So we could get the brain to heal as good as it could or work as good as it could. Does that make sense? A little bit. Yeah. So I'm I'm, to, to take a step back and zoom out the, the process of energy production in the body. We take oxygen plus food plus sunlight. We make water and CO2 to keep it like simplified. And the, the effectiveness and efficiency of that process depends on a lot of factors. And what we're doing when we train with, when we, when we use oxygen training or O2 training or adaptive contrast training, we're improving the effectiveness and efficiency of oxygen utilization in the production of energy. And we're getting, we're driving oxygen into parts of the body where maybe it was at suboptimal levels. Mm-hmm. Did I summarize or misspeak there? <laughs> no, it's, it's correct, but you can use simpler words. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So every cell has an engine. Right. That engine runs better if it's got fuel and it's got air. Okay. So in the simplest metaphor, it, you know, what we're doing with LIVO2 is we're taking that engine and we're slapping a turbocharger on it. All right. I like that. What we're doing is making sure the body can deliver as much oxygen to those cells as it possibly can. And so when you do that, you get more power. So basically, it's usually the delivery of air that limits the performance of the engine. Sometimes it's fuel, but mostly it's air. So what we're doing is, you know, by exercising that circuit, we're basically clearing the pathway from the lungs to the cells to deliver as much oxygen as possible. So when you take a cell and you give it all the oxygen it can use 
then what happens is it learns how to run really efficient. So, you know, another thing is we did a test where we're testing VO2 max. You know what VO2 max is, right? Right. Yeah, but explain it for the listener. Okay, VO2 max is how much energy can your body create in a short period of time? Okay, or, you know, a steady burn, which is what's your horse? Basically, it's your sustained horsepower. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so people have been trained. It's like, yeah, man, I'm going to go out and I trained six months and I increased my VO2 max by 5%. And for an athlete, that's pretty good. Okay. We took a fellow that had been uh, in college for a while and we, d- we set him up to do a series of three t- VO2 max tests. We did a VO2 max test for, I guess, before we started, we did it one at one week. We did one, I think it was five weeks and one at 11 weeks. Okay. In the first week of live O2 training, he gained 8% VO2 max, which is what most people have to work a year for. So if you talk about how efficient can a workout be and how much can you gain, it's like you got a year's worth of progress in a week. Okay. At five weeks, he did the second VO2 max. And if memory serves, he had gained 18% VO2 max. By week 11, he gained roughly 29% VO2 max. Was this, what was his conditions? I mean, that's, that's very impressive. What was his condition to begin? Well, he was basically a uh, student, you know, he, he, he was a guy, you know, going out, worked a job, says, well, I'm going back to school. So he had the stress of moving back in school. So, I mean, he wasn't all that well conditioned, but you know, you, you know, as a 35, you know, 40 year old person, you go back to college, you're no, you don't have the resilience you did when you were 12 or 13 right. or 15 or 18, you know? So it's like, okay, you know, normal guy going back and it's like, well, but he, like all of us do what you can to work out and stay in shape with the time you have. So the problem is, you know, as you get into life and you start to, you know, build your career, you have less and less time to get more and more done. So, you know, as an example, this is a guy like probably most of your audience trying to do the best you can with the time you got and then being able to, you know, achieve an extraordinary improvement in your physical capacity in a very short period of time because he was only working out for a total of 15 minutes a day. Yeah, this is one of the things that that I love about adaptive contrast training. And for the listeners, we're going to use a few terms to describe what we're talking about here. You may hear oxygen training, you may hear O2 training, you may hear adaptive contrast, but it, we're, we're talking about the same thing. And the the reason that this biohack is is something that I've now made a regular part of my routine and rearranged, you know, our biohacking gym here at, at HQ in order to integrate is because Mark, what you're talking about a year's worth of progress in a week for, for a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of folks when breathing air, which is around 20% oxygen, depending on your altitude, you can work your butt off for a year and maybe see a five or 10% increase in VO2 max, depending on the type of training that you're doing with this where you're alternating between very, very high oxygen. Are we, what are we talking? 90% oxygen? It, somewhere north of 75%, three to four atmospheres of partial pressure. But what's important to realize is that, you know, there's the oxygen, which is the rich part, but it's the work. And so like when we use the phrase adaptive contrast, that's a new technology that we developed. Adaptive contrast is basically a contrasting relationship. So like, 
low oxygen, as in about 16% or a simulated altitude of maybe 10 to 12,000 feet, it's about the same as you get on a, a little higher than you get on a commercial airliner. So it's not dangerous for anybody, but what happens is when you give your body less oxygen, the body says, holy son of a gun, I don't have enough to breathe. So it turns around and it makes your respiratory process really efficient. Mm-hmm. Then there's a switch. You throw the switch, boom, next breath, you're getting very rich oxygen. It's not 100%, but it's you know, somewhere north of 80, typically 85%. And so when you get hungry and you feed it, what that does is it supercharges the, uh, the cells with oxygen because you've gone from maximum effective transportation, simultaneous maximums of oxygen movement and delivery to oxygen movement and delivery plus or times oxygen concentration. So like in, in our brain protocols and our brain process, you know, if our numbers are right now, and we've got data that says it's pretty close to correct, you're, you're basically getting brain oxygenation potential of about 24 times normal, which is why we see crazy improvements in how, well's pe- how well people's brains work. 24x increase in brain oxygenation. So the amount you're potential. talking about. Potential. Okay. Can you explain what that means? Just so I make sure I'm not jumping to conclusions. Sure. No problem. So like, you know, in the beginning when I was building the product, I, I live up in the mountains and we go skiing. And so I go up skiing and I'm stomping up a hill and like, all I could hear was my heart pounding in my head. And then I was thinking about that. I was like, well, what is that really physio- physiologically? Came down, looked up the research and the research says, well, pretty much by the time you hear your heart pounding in your head, your heart and your body is squirting about four times, 400% volume of blood, more volume of blood through your brain. Just think about it as a pump, an organ, and you squirt more blood. So once you hear your heartbeat, you know, the boom, 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 that's actually not your brain. That's your eardrum going boom, boom, boom. Okay. Cause it, it's just, your, it's got, you got so much blood. So that's an indicator that you got a lot more blood volume going through the brain. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when you go up high and you're working out hypoxic, you can easily establish, or most people can establish that circuit. You probably did it this morning. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what oxygen concentration I'm at when I'm doing those low oxygen sprints, but it is terrible. I mean, it's so hard. You feel your, your whole body, your, your lungs are burning and you've got the lactic acid building up and you're just trying to finish the sprint. And then when you flip it to the 75% plus oxygen, it's like, I can only compare it to when, when you feel like you're thirstier than you've ever been. And someone gives you a nice cold glass of water. Oh yeah. And see, you're just on your first day. Yeah. Wait till the day after tomorrow. Okay. You're going to, you're not going to believe how much your body changes. Let me go back to my story. So anyway, the point about the adaptive contrast is we basically set the body up. So it moves as much blood as possible. And then while we've got that circuit active, moving all the blood, we throw a switch, boom, next breath. You're four times typically more oxygen in the air than you're breathing, which because your heart's beating really fast, you'll get about six times increase in oxygen in the blood. Now, you got to be careful because once the hemoglobin saturated, that's all it goes. But the water part of the blood or plasma is actually, it's just like a glass of water. You're able to supersaturate that. So we're fully saturating the hemoglobin, but we're installing six times more oxygen than normal in the plasma. So you take that six times more oxygen than normal in the plasma with four times more blood. You multiply those, you get six times four is 24 times 
more oxygen, raw oxygen than normal, but it's not only more oxygen, it's getting slammed through that whole circuit. And so if there's any part of the brain that's not working right because it's not getting enough oxygen, a lot of times it'll fix then and there. This is fascinating. And there's it's, things are working on a lot of different levels, it sounds like. Yeah. So like, for example, I, I don't know if we got it done, but I set you up with a cognitive panel and I hope we had a chance to take it before you did your first workout. I wanted to do it again. So I, I had taken that back in early 2018 before I did some GDF 11 as okay. uh, as, as a test for the next book, but I did not get to do it again. We're talking, so we're talking about this, the CNS vital signs test, which we'll Correct. link to in the show notes. And, and you believe is one of the most accurate at home tests for cognitive yeah. function and neurological function. It's been working for us. We've been using it for six, seven years and it's been working great. But you know, the thing that it, about that test is, you know, a lot of doctors and technical people will say, yeah, but where's the data you say it works. And then what uh, I've got a few stories that I'd, if you don't mind, I'll get into in terms of, you know, where the product came from and what sort of drove me to say, you know, I've really got to turn this from, you know, something, you know, bring it out because this technology is so important. Uh, so the first thing that happened was, you know, um, my oldest son, then 11 started having a form of seizures where his eyes would flick off. And I'm like, looking at that, I'm like, what is that? And then I'm like, that was the first time when I reached out to folks at CNS. I'm like, look, I, I'd like to figure out if there's something going on here that's deeper. So I ended up giving him a neurological panel. What do you mean his eyes would flick off? Well, it's called a Tourette seizure. Okay. Okay. And so, uh, you know, and you go look at the medical research, like, well, what's it causes Tourette seizure? And the answer is, well, we don't know. And then, you know, you can whatever. So I'm like, well, as a father, I'm like, well, okay, what is this? So my next step is like, well, is there anything else going on? So I went off and, you know, set up to do these tests and I gave him a neurological panel and the short form of the neurological panel was he had seven different categories of brain function in literally the first and second percentile. And when you see one of your kids having crappy brain function as a parent, um, we're talking panic button, dude. Yeah. Um, quick question. Do you want me to throw up what that is so the you know, folks can see it or if, if they're watching the video cast or should I just keep rolling? So, well, we were, we were kind of checking it before we went live and you're, you're talking about the results of the CNS vital signs panel. You get a number yep. of different, different categories that give you a somewhat holistic view of, of neurological and cognitive function. And in, in seven of those categories, your son was about as low as, as function could get. That's correct. Right. And then, so you saw that. And so what, uh, yeah, so if you're, if you're looking here, you can see it, you know, basically in this left-hand column, and this is for the people that don't have a video, you can see he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different brain tests that are qualifying is very low. Most of them are in literally the first percentile among his age adjusted group. Yeah. And, and so the categories for those of you guys that are listening via audio only this, this neurocognition index uh, on the, the CNS vital signs clinical report, it looks at it, it, it. So you've got, well, the domain scores are neurocognition index, composite memory, verbal memory, visual memory, processing speed, executive function, psychomotor speed, reaction time, complex attention, cognitive and cognitive flexibility. And 
in seven of those were, were in the lowest category. Yep. And this is Monday. All right. Monday having Tourette seizures and this is how well his brain's working. Okay. And that's just pardon my French, but it was crap and it scared the scared the crap out of me. So I said, okay, we got to do something about this. So Monday afternoon, after we took the test, Dakota gets on Livo two, dad gets on Livo two. And we went from seven in the lowest category to three. What, and most what, of them what bumped type up. What workout did you do? Just what you did this morning, you know, moderate, uh, adaptive contrast. So like 30 second sprints at, at low oxygen. 30 seconds to a minute sprints and mostly oxygen, you know, and he's like, dad, this feels good. So he kind of got on there and he just started tearing it up. So I just kind of let him go yeah. and I'd sprint him and stuff. And then, cause he'd seen me work out and I said, well, how does this work? And he's like, yeah, it's good. So he actually enjoyed it. So, you know, because he's an athlete and whatever, it was a good experience for him. So anyway, this is sort of like the other one. I was like, so we ended up having this situation where we, I said, my son is in trouble and I'm going to go ahead and condense this real short. So, you know, as a parent that's seen, you know, one of your kids injured, I'm like, well, this is a good start. So we went ahead and tracked this for the next five years. And so as we did, you know, more training, what happened is he was a competition archer and he found that, you know, using Livo 2 enabled him to just spank up in the ballpark a national champion level and he loved kicking ass so it was no problem getting him to train so as he's gone through the past several years as i flip through these different you know versions of the same brain test you'll see that the x's are marching to the left oh yeah okay. and so you know now you know you look at him to a test you know he's learning languages in 30 days he's an exemplary athlete like we've, we've done tests with him or, you know, he's, he's, he competes, uh, physically at the level of VO two max of the top athletes in the world. And, and, you know, it's not like, it's just, it's just crazy what his human performance is. And so I think this is just a side effect of having the tools at home and being able to train himself. But as a father with a, okay, how's my kid going to get by with a screwed up brain? I don't think about that anymore because he's good to go. And also are his brothers. This is pretty incredible. So that that shift from going from going where he had seven of these domain scores at, in in the lowest, you know, one percent essentially yeah. to three, yeah, seven to three to zero, and drifting up to optimal. I mean, he was having a bad day this day. We took this test, but still, you can see his lowest score is average. But as 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 a rule now, most of his scores are significantly above average. So I and went from neurocompromised to neural optimal, you know, wow. over how many, how many workouts did it take to get him from seven down to only three in, in that lowest category? One, one. And the test time was we, te he, he, we tested him on Monday when he was screwed up. And then we tested him again on Wednesday after one workout. So this picture right here, this is day one, seven and very low to Wednesday, three and very low. And most had moved to average from very low. Pretty incredible. And so anyway, there's another part to the story. So that, you know, and we dial into the audience, like, okay, you may be a parent and you got kids, you want your kids to do well, that's great. But then there's the other story, which is let's talk about the Mark story, which mm -hmm. is at the same time, you know, our house basically burned and, you know, I'm up to the weed, you know, up to my butt in the weeds in terms of trying to get by and stuff. Cause I've got all this stuff going on. The point was, okay. You know, if you think about this for 
trying to help somebody, but you know, I'm trying to run a company. All right. So I figured I'd do the same thing I had to go to do. So, um, basically on day on Monday, I'm average, low average and low. And on Wednesday, I went to my lowest score being all average with, you know, three bumped all the way up. So when you look at this, this is what happened in my brain. And, you know, trying to be a guy's getting by anything I can do to be less stupid is right on and very helpful. So, so it's looking like one of the great, I mean, this technology is used by, by athletes. We're working with a bunch of guys in, in the NHL and, and various other leagues, and they're using this technology. We, we talked offline about, um, was it Rourke, Rourke Chartier? Rourke Chartier with the Sharks. He's, the San Jose uh, you know, he Sharks. had dual objectives. You know, when he showed, he's, he's been living, using Livo2 for a while. You can read his story on our website under a blog page, Livo2.com. But anyway, he showed up at training camp and he had in the ball, probably with respect to the Sharks, it wasn't like he was quote unquote a little better than his teammates. He was just like off the charts in terms of his degree of conditioning and his VO, measured VO2 max when he walked on the field at the beginning of the season, which gave him a significant advantage because he could go out there and just hammer the whole game. And that enabled him to, you know, a rookie to come on and have a good shot at getting a, you know, a place on the team because his physical performance was unmatched by anybody else already there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one, one of our guys, as you know, is, is Duncan Keith from the Blackhawks. We work with Duncan too. So he, you know, when Duncan and you know, the Blackhawks come to Colorado, you know, I'll go down and, you know, work with those guys, get them cleaned up for the games and stuff. So yeah, we got, yeah, we love Duncan. And, and in professional sports, you know, these guys, one of the things that, that they pride themselves on and that can often make the difference between winning and losing is this, this concept of victory through attrition right? You get to a point where you wear down your opponent and they can no longer keep up with you. Mm -hmm. And, and having technology like oxygen training and adaptive contrast in your arsenal is one of the tools that allows you to get to a point where the other guy breaks, but you can keep going because you've trained your cells to be more efficient and to produce energy, even in a, in, in a hypoxic or low oxygen environment. Well, let, let me kind of go to the, what I said about your Wednesday. Today was your first live O2 workout experience. Yeah. You got I, did, on there. I did some sprints on the treadmill yesterday cause I was chomping at the bit to try it and I didn't have time to assemble the rogue echo bike, but so I just, I just did sprints by the end of the week. You'll be recovering from those sprints in under five seconds. Come on. So I you're, saying, you not. you're saying I'll be getting under, call it, call it 120 beats per minute. That's sort of my, you bench. won't get under 120 beats per minute. You know, that's, you're looking at a number, okay. but you'll be ready to sprint again as in being able to go to a sprint where you're like flagged out. Oh God, I got to give up to being able to start another sprint in about 30 seconds. Your, your ability to recover is going to go from this long to this long as your body becomes used to this, this interval training. And that's what we see with virtually all of our athletes because their recovery process just goes through the roof and their, their ability to recovery recover in a short period of time is amazing. The other thing that we see in our um, professional athletes and is whatever is their neurological performance. Like for example, if they're a shooter, their groups will go from this to this. 
and you're so you're saying they're able to hone in on the target and and, and keep a lot of their a lot of their shots closer to the bullseye. There's less of uh of, there's of, ne- less neurological noise. Their neurological control is better because their brains are working better. Their nervous systems are working better, and you know their muscles. There's just their their energy production process is better. So they're cognitive and you know, physical performance, the reaction times, you know, our, our fraction, I, we did a test with a, one of the fellows we're working with right now yesterday. And, you know, after one workout, his neurocognitive performance was, I mean, shockingly better. And this is using a product called brain gauge. I mean, if you, if you want to pause the recording, I can show you what that looks like. And this would be relevant for everybody out there. That's, you know, by, you know, that's biohacking. Because if you're trying to perform, having your nervous system dialed in is a big deal. Actually, if you want, I can I can show you another chart that shows how the brain, or let's talk at what's left of my brain, actually produced energy during a Live O2 workout. If, it, if it's something that we can describe for the listeners, I'm game. Okay, will do. Stand by. All right, what I'm putting up here is a chart. And it's got a black line that goes up and down. And it's basically like what Anthony did this morning on his workout, that the the deal is shining a light into his brain that's measuring the oxygen, red and oxygen, uh, the the difference in oxygen in his brain. And so what it's doing is giving a real-time chart of how much oxygen the brain's using. And as you move left, when you go into the hypoxic or low oxygen, the brain gets really hungry for oxygen. And basically, I'll I'll give you the summary. At the end of this workout, my brain was producing at least 30% more energy than it was at the beginning as measured by oxygen use. So when we talk about VO2 max, this is actually a real-time VO2 measure, VO2 max measure of the brain as an organ. So this is using that Artenis uh, device that you mentioned that's around $10,000. It shines a light into the brain and tells you how much oxygen. It's like an oxygen usage sensor, essentially. Correct. So energy production is proportional to the amount of oxygen you use. So when you talk about a VO2 max test like we did a little while ago, how much oxygen you use is directly proportional to how much energy you create. So if you think about it in the turbocharger model, you know, putting the turbocharger on me during the workout while I'm training and doing a workout that targets the brain circuit, actually you can measure, you know, we measured a substantial like 30% improvement or increase in the amount of oxygen or energy my brain was able to produce. And so when you take a brain that's working that much better by producing that much more energy and you try to do anything else like play hockey or, you know, neurological, you're going to, or, or even run a company and make decisions, you're going to be smarter and better at it because you're just more intelligent. All right. All right. All right. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode of the biohacking secrets show. Now let's take a quick second to check out some cool biohacks from this show's sponsors. This episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show is brought to you by Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products, CBD standing for cannabidiol. Now, we are real excited about this partnership because Veritas means truth in Latin, and we are big believers in bringing you guys the truth, not just through this podcast, but by making sure that any products that we share or that we bring on as sponsors are products that we personally use, believe in, and endorse ourselves. And that is the case with Veritas Farms and their full line of 
CBD products. The reason that they're so great, they are full spectrum hemp products, meaning that they have all of the beneficial phytonutrients that you get in a quality CBD product. 99% of the CBD products on the market are CBD isolate, and they're just being resold, meaning they're coming from a few small manufacturers. They've only got one tiny part of all of the important phytonutrients that you need to get the benefits you want from a CBD product, and they're just a bunch of different companies reselling them. Veritas Farms is vertically integrating, meaning they own the farm. They ensure that there are no pesticides being added. It's organic, and then they control the entire process from harvesting to extraction until that product ends up at your door. That's what I love it. It's kind of like farm to table, but for CBD. And the benefits that I've noticed, my sleep is better. I feel like I get a deeper, more restful night's sleep. I'm less stressed. I never have periods of anxiety. I feel calm and focused throughout the day. And it even decreases inflammation when I have flights or other things where inflammation is an inevitable part of life. You take a little extra CBD and it can be very helpful for stress, anxiety, sleep, and that inflammation. So if you guys want to check it out, we've arranged a 15% discount for you guys. To get that, you can go to theveritasfarms.com forward slash biohacks. I'll spell it out. T-H-E-V-E-R-I-T-A-S-F-A-R-M-S.com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to save 15%. Check out the Veritas Farms CBD. You guys are going to absolutely love it. All right. Thank you so much for making the Biohacking Secret Show podcast a part of your day. We appreciate it more than words can express. Now let's get back to the episode. So Mark, I'm looking, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing one workout, 27 to 30% higher oxygen usage in the brain. And that's very exciting to someone like me. Do we have a baseline of comparison for how much oxygen usage increases from say like going for a jog outside breathing air uh i don't have a direct one but when we work with the people that did this test you know they train people across different workouts and what they told us real time was that this was six times more increase in brain energy oxygen you know brain energy production than they had ever seen before with any other technology so I think the most increase in brain performance I ever saw with another one was like maybe 5%. This is, this is 27% in 18 minutes. Yeah. So we're, we're talking like a, a 500% difference, 5X. Difference. Yeah. Between the, between the other best workout you could do. This is six times more more improvement or more increase in brain oxygen use than has ever been recorded by any other technique. I mean, that's, I, I don't, I don't want to throw around the word miracle because miracles, miracles, pretty, pretty profound and, and often overused, but for people that care about getting the highest return on their invested time and energy, 30% increase in, in blood oxygen usage, especially compared to the most you're, you're going to get with other technology or traditional workouts is about 5%. And, and some of the other things that, that we've discussed here, you've got VO2 max taking a year of training. You're going to see about five, maybe 10% increase in VO2 max. You're getting a 29% increase in 11 weeks. I mean, this yeah, is, we can't guarantee that for everybody. You know, this is your normal guy that's, you know, 
been working his butt off to get from day one to day two that's got an objective to get back in shape. And mm-hmm. now one of the other things that gets in here in terms of quality of life is everybody says, oh, I want to get in shape, but then they don't do it because they feel like they're going to finish their workouts hurting. And a lot of people will shy off on doing workout and training because they're afraid they're going to be sore. In the entire decade history of Live O2, we've never had anybody get off sore. Muscle soreness pretty much just doesn't happen. Most people get off and they finish their workout. Like we had one of the guys training here on Monday. And uh, basically, he's got one of those HRVs. I forget the name of it. But the HRV model says, okay, um, all right, what are you ready to do? And so when you overtrain or you're at your train level, you know, it says, well, you, you're done training. You need to go rest. Once he finished what was probably the hardest workout he's done in the past decade, his HRV meter says, hey, you're ready to go work out. Mm. Okay, that was after. So what we started doing, and I've got, we, we've been working with some super high-end athletes up at, uh, you've heard of the ultramarathon, the Leadville 100-mile foot race and stuff mm-hmm. like that. We were up training those guys, and the average person we trained for 15 to 20 minutes before they did this ultramarathon said that they knocked about two hours off their previous year's time. Were you training them on the same day? Yeah. Yeah. So we would get them up, you know, we get up in the morning, we set up and we trained them before they went out to run. And then, you know, then they went out and they ran the hundred mile race and they basically, you know, because they were supercharged, they were at 10,000 feet thereabouts. And what happened was like the people that had, you know, issues with discomfort for altitude, they that all went away. Um, the athletes that we trained went out and they ran and they said, holy crap, I felt really good. And so they felt good all, all the way through the race. And once they got to the end, they look at their, you know, their time difference over last year. So most of them were setting PRs, you know, for this race, you know, just after they trained with us. So the, the, the potential, the potential downside of, expending energy, doing some interval sprints, using your, 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 uh, live O2 adaptive contrast machine are far outweighed by the subsequent increase in performance and oxygen utilization. Cause they're still getting hitting PRs, even though they worked out before an ultra marathon. Yeah, I wouldn't really call it a workout. I call it a warm up. I mean, you know, so most people will go out and do some sort of warm up. So what we do is we position, you know, live O2 as a pre, you know, performance warm up, which I mean, you'll spend a little energy. But the thing about, you know, live O2 workout is if you look, if you think about it in terms of energy production, what we're doing is we're setting the body up so that it's tuned to deliver oxygen to cells. Mm-hmm. So, so while you're doing this, your ability to produce energy is increased. And so the whole thing about being tired and fatigued, it's not quote unquote, your muscles are worn out. It's that you've depleted resources or you've, your ability to produce energy because of the activity you did decreased your, I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself, but the ability to produce energy. So what the live O2 workout does is it increases your ability to produce energy. Therefore, you're able to do more regardless of what you did before you you know, did your, did your competition. So, you know, as a rule, like, you know, and it doesn't matter what the, you know, sporting event is. Most people that live warm up on live O2 before they work out or before they go to compete, let's say somewhere between 50 and 70%. The first time they warm up with live O2, will go set a PR shortly thereafter. 
And, and what does that warm up look like? What would you have someone do? 12 to 15, basically the same workout you did, maybe a little less intense, you know, so some hypoxic sprints, you know, the goal is, and it, you know, maybe five, six hypoxic sprints, uh, if they're well conditioned and most people that are competing, you know, 12 to 15 minutes of a little bit of sprints doesn't really create fatigue. Right. So, and if, and it depends on if they're a neurological performance, like a hot ball, a hockey player or a football player where we want their brain really firing, like mm -hmm. what we'll do is we'll take them to the point. We'll do that brain O2, like a mild brain O2 session, you know, and it's odd because once we switch them to oxygen, they recover like that. If they're, if they're, you know, we had a lot of people show up with sore legs and stuff. And so what we'll do is we'll basically challenge the legs. But when we hit the legs with that much oxygen, the lactic acid will wash out and we'll be able to get rid of all the soreness. Before I kind of noticed that I, even sitting here now, having just come from, from, from doing sprints, my body was saturated with lactic acid during those, those low oxygen sprint periods. And I feel great right now. Yeah. Like and so what, what the mechanism there is, you know, basically you're using the low oxygen, which amplifies the amount of blood that's getting sent to those muscles. So it's, if you think about it, like a fire hose, you're basically using that low oxygen sprint to maximize the volume of blood going to those legs. Mm -hmm. Then when you throw that switch and it goes with, goes to oxygen you're sending the maximum volume of blood with the maximum volume of oxygen it can carry when that oxygen hits those tissues all the crap washes out the lactic and it restores the blood flow and it restores the it basically reduces all the inflammation that's accumulated over time so it reestablishes the nutrient and oxygen delivery pathway to the tissues and so what makes you sore is actually the residual inflammation. When that's gone, you're not sore. But the other thing is because you've got the pipes open and you can go to our website to get more information on how the pipe opening thing is too complicated for here. But when you basically hit, get those pipes open, your ability, your tendency to be anaerobic, which is to just run on sugar as opposed to sugar, your, your aerobic capacity is literally restored. So when we talk about, well, how in the world do you guys get 8% increase in VO2 max in a week? Well, what's happening is that, you know, by training on level two, you're erasing the residual inflammation that was blocking the performance. Mm. Okay. So most, most athletes don't realize that when they show up to, you know, you know, to do a competition, they're going to be five to 15% of their body locked anaerobic. Cause like, if you're doing marathons, you usually get on a plane and, uh, you'll feel like crap. You'll eat crap food before you go out there. And then, you know, in that situation, you know, all of those little factors basically cause your body to conge get congested. So when you do live O2, it blows out the pipes. So when you step on the starting line, your body and your energy delivery and oxygen delivery and energy production process is on. And so when you start to run, the absence of that inflammation that you're used to running with you know, enables you to perform better than you would on a normal race. So it's just, you know, it's, it's a simple concept to cleaning house just before you go out to kick ass. This Does that make sense? Makes complete sense. So if you're listening and a, a 27 to 30% increase in brain oxygen usage is something 
that you're interested in. If, if condensing time and getting more out of your workouts, more benefits in, in the same or less time, 8% increase in VO2 max in a week is something that you know would benefit your performance and your, you know, your cognitive function, your ability to show up and be productive. We've got liveo2.com slash biohacks set up and Mark's got his team at phone number 970-658-2789 standing by to help get you guys set up if you want to get hooked up with with one of these machines. Um, and we'll share that again later in the episode, but I wanted to kind of drop it in now. Mark, on, on an anecdote... I, I got- yeah. No, actually, I got one more thing while you're while you're doing the introduction. Don't forget that you know we've got a ten percent, um, or si- I'm sorry, six point seven percent discount code. Okay, okay, so if anybody goes there, it's Biohacks, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S, mm-hmm. and we'll you know just mention it if you saw it on the podcast. This discount expires on December fifteenth. B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. So if you're either going to our website to order or you're talking to your sales folks, mention it to them. And then um, if it's after that and you heard the web podcast late or the webcast late, just mention it to call our sales team and mention it to them and then we'll go ahead and take care of you. And that number is 970-658-2789. Mark, what's some of the anecdotal feedback that you're getting from people? How, how does this type of training affect their day-to-day performance, quality of life. All right. So best way to say this is, you know, we get a lot of people that are older. I mean, we've got some very well-known game show hosts. Um, come on down kind of people. All right. All right. Age 95 that end up using it every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then we've got some others that are, you know, have some health challenges. And I think the best way to describe it is, you know, as we get older, stuff starts to go wrong. And, but if you look at the stuff going wrong timeline, you know, within one to three months, most people will go back about 15 years in the stuff going wrong timeline. So if you think about your quality of life and, and that's the other thing is like we have i uh, I'll call it older athletes that will adopt the product and they'll start training with it. You know, their performance will go back to what they could do about 15 years ago. And that's just by, you know, optimizing the stuff that goes wrong with age. So if you, if you really wanted to ha- talk about a time machine, you know, one way to think about Live 2 training is like, you know, an at-home time machine where you can ro- start rolling your body back. Um, like, for example, we got a fellow here that's, you know, basically recovering. He used to be a pretty adept athlete, college athlete, but he whacked his noggin about 40 times. And, you know, his ability to get by and you know, kind of, kind of was compromised. I mean, he's technically an executive, but like, for example, the things have been interfering with his ability to work, uh, his tendency to use recreational drugs and stuff has fallen off dramatically over the past few days. And it's just because, you know, that, that chart I showed you about blasting his oxygen with brain is a enabling his brain to work better and more normal. So, in the history of the product, I don't recall anybody who has not reported a significant improvement in their quality of life. Yeah, there's there's a well-established connection between oxygen, the presence of oxygen, oxygen saturation, oxygen utilization, and aging, along with a tendency to gravitate towards recreational drugs. And I think that's part of the reason that adaptive contrast using 
the, the, the live O2, even, uh, even NAD, a lot of people are now using NAD IVs and, um, taking it in supplemental form. Some people in our community, myself being one of those people are, are using it in, in, uh, in suppository form, but all these things, not only increase daily energy, you see better exercise performance, improved cognitive function, but there's also less of a pull towards drugs and recreational substances. And you kind of touched on head injuries, concussions, that sort of thing. Also, you know, those are also related to the presence of oxygen in the brain or the the body's capacity to get drive oxygen into certain parts of the brain. And this is another tool that you're seeing help there. Yeah. So if you think about it in the simplest form, I mean, we get older, things get tore up and, you know, things start going wrong and, you know, we don't like to hurt. It's sort of natural. So, you know, we'll do whatever we need to, to get out of discomfort. A lot of times that's recreational drugs and stuff like that. So, okay. But the reason that, you know, things start going wrong and our quality of life starts to go down is because we've lost the ability to heal that we had when we were younger. Okay, but when you go to the next level below that, the reason we've lost that ability to heal is because we're not getting the oxygen. So if you go back and you look at hyperbaric chambers, like, you know, you go in a capsule and pressurize the oxygen that drives up the oxygen while you're in the hyperbaric chamber, you do more healing while you're in there, then then you come out, it diffuses out. The thing about LIVO2 is like, you basically oxygenate the body in a way that it tends to stay oxygenated and you repair the oxygen delivery process. When that happens, all the little stuff that's been going wrong tends to go back and not be as wrong as it was before. And then you end up like, wow, I'm healing better than I was before. So you end up hurting less. And at that point, you end up needing less stuff to make you not hurt. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd like to go into a little bit of how this affects glucose disposal, blood sugar regulation, and and body weight uh, regulation in in the body. Because a lot of people, as we get older, it's also more difficult to maintain a healthy weight set point. And Dr. Frank Schallenberger, who we've had on the Biohacking Secrets Show podcast, he pointed me towards some research showing people with blood sugar dysregulation, you know, type 2 diabetes and and everywhere along that continuum. getting in, in about eight weeks, getting rid of, I don't, I'm not going to use the word cure, but essentially they're no longer diabetic. They no longer have type two diabetes. They're able to see body weight coming off because of this type of technology and, and, and get results that would otherwise take a year plus. What have you seen in the scientific literature and even anecdotally on the side of, of glucose disposal and, you know, body weight normalization, um, from this technology. Well, basically everybody that uses the technology starts out saying, wow, I feel better. I got better energy. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when you get into people complain of fatigue, the tendency for fatigue disappears almost immediately. Okay, so that's one part. And then if you go into the adipose tissue and the glucose, so adipose is a fancy word for fat cell. Mm. Okay, and then fat cells engage when there's a lot of glucose in the blood and there's a high level of insulin. So when fat cells basically act like vacuum cleaners to suck glucose out of the blood, they convert it into basically fat. So the whole concept of excess weight is a result of fat cells 
basically sucking up sugar and storing energy. Okay, well, not only do they do that, and this is more my opinion, but if you look at fat cells, they also vacuum garbage out of the blood. So they end up storing toxins. Right. So, you know, you look at somebody that's got excess weight, it's either toxin toxin storage because the body has to because the detox process is broken, or it's a chronic appearance of, you know, too much mass. So when you open the detox pathways and when you teach the body how to be more efficient, it's I'll call it a natural reflex. I'll call it the spring reflex where everybody loses weight in the spring. If you activate that, then what will happen is you'll trigger the fat cells to go ahead and start using the stored energy, especially when you get the liver and the other detox organs working. They get permission to go ahead and start dumping the junk they've been storing to protect it from the rest of the body. So you see people that say, oh, I don't eat anything. My God, I'm gaining weight like a cow. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like they may not, their bodies will go ahead, if their detox processes are broken, they'll gain weight just as the fat cells protect the rest of the body, particularly the nervous system from the garbage that can't be eliminated. So there's at least two legs to that thing, but you know, like with Livo2, virtually everybody that starts with the product will start losing body mass, particular, they'll start gaining muscle mass and losing adipose mass very early in the cycle. Now I got to be real clear. It's not a miracle. It's not you get on Livo two and you're you know a toothpick in three weeks. But what really does happen is the ten, the quality of life from being able to make energy and do stuff goes up, and then you know the core vitality goes up. And then once they feel better, they're more likely to go out and do the fun stuff that has them losing weight naturally. Yeah. What um, we've we've talked about a few other secondary pathways that are being influenced here outside of just oxygen efficiency and, and utilization. You've talked about inflammation and you've talked about the detox pathways, particularly in the liver, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what's going on with inflammation and with detox as, as a result of utilizing this technology and also what can be done as a, as a complementary intervention to improve detoxification or to help the liver work better or drive inflammation down so that someone who's, who's doing adaptive contrast or oxygen training is able to get the most benefits possible. Okay. What have you seen work? Well, okay. So there, that's a two stage question. So I'll take the first one. So I rapid fired a few there. There we go. That's good. <laughs> first one's about inflammation. So when people use inflammation, they don't identify what kind. Mm-hmm. So, like there's two basic characters of inflammation. The first would be uh, autoimmune. So if you got something that's not supposed to be there, the body will, the autoimmune system will attack what's ever there. And that causes an inflammatory process where stuff gets torn up and pathogens get eliminated. And that's called inflammation. And the second one is another kind of inflammation that was documented by Manfred von Arden, where if you get a hypoxic event in the vascular system, then the pipes or the vascular system will end up hypoxic and then the cells on the inside of the endothelium or the capillaries will bloat up, which makes it so the capillaries won't deliver oxygen to the tissue. So I'm going to answer both of those. Then I'm going to go to the third one with the question. So if you think about the immune system, the better the immune system works, the better job it does at getting rid of stuff that's not supposed to be in the body, more healthy you're going to be there. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about oxygen, let's model a white blood cells, a little fish swimming around in a walking bag of water. 
Okay. If that fish is swimming in a walking bag of water with a boatload of oxygen, that little immune cell is going to be able to run on oxygen as opposed to run on sugar. And he's going to be able to make 19 times more energy. So if you've got, if you want to have a kick-ass immune system, if you can run on a 19 factor energy budget by in a body well oxygenated, you're going to have a lot more brisk and effective ability to overcome whatever invaders are there. So that's one of the things we see with, you know, LIVO2, and we got a protocol called Immuno2, where we hybridize hyperthermia. This is based on Manfred von Erden's research, but basically it's an immune-focused protocol that targets supporting the immune system. Now, I'm still on the uh, uh, inflammatory question. So when we talk about, okay, the vascular system and inflammation, and we're talking about athletes. So what happens is when somebody overstresses themselves or they have a stress event, they'll actually trigger this inflammation in the vascular system that closes down the pipes that deliver oxygen to, te- to cells. Mm-hmm. Now, as you look at the, all the charts that say, oh, yeah, you're screwed. You're going to lose 1% a year of your vitality. Well, that loss of vitality is the fact that these pipes shrink down. And then the cells fed by these pipes end up suffocating, but they don't die for probably 15 years. So when you use LIVO2 with our protocols, what happens is we get so much oxygen in these pipes that they pop back to normal immediately. So now I'm going to go back to, so as we have stress events, divorces, injuries, anything like that, that stress event causes some fraction of our bodies to shut down when you do this live O2 or, you know, high intensity interval training and stuff like that, what happens is it opens the vascular system up. And like a lot of people, when we're training them the first time, you know, as a trainer, you'll be there like, boom, a breath comes out like, oh my God, you know, that was, that's a fungus or that's chemotherapy or that's DEET, you know, insect repellent. So what's happening is, as they're training and as, as, as their bodies open up, the garbage that's been accumulating in their tissues because the capillaries will close. When those capillaries open up, the garbage sweeps out into their blood immediately. As that blood flows through the lungs, the volatiles go off and they exhale and you smell what's been polluting them. Okay. So if I'm, I'm understanding you correctly, when we're stressed, either through life events, there's, there's a lot of different, I mean, we, we, we send stress signals to our body just through excessive stimulant use and many of the popular prescription drugs, Adderall, Ritalin, uh, et cetera. And, uh, and, and we, we experience this vasoconstriction. So this can, this, uh, uh, this is, this is different from vasoconstriction. Vasoconstriction okay. is an autonomic res- uh, where the smooth muscles in the vascular system will close down to restrict blood flow. This okay. is actually a semi-permanent or permanent restriction in blood flow as a result of inflammation in the capillary. So okay. the recipe, you know, what, what, what Arden discovered is if you do this process about supersaturating the oxygen, what happens is that this inflammation starts to switch off. So what we see with like LIVO2 is people will start to, detox in two to three minutes, two to three minutes into their first session. Okay. Awesome. And, and so by eliminating, by mobilizing and eliminating some of these toxins that may have been around for a long time, the, the subsequent responses is lowered inflammation. 
Yeah, they get lower inflammation. You know, so that you know, there's two points, which is expediting the performance of the immune system helps. You know, you overcome infections faster, and then like for the vascular system, when you do live O2, that oxygen. I mean, you can do it with different mechanisms, not just live O2. So I don't want to make a medical claim for live O2, but the high concentration of oxygen in the blood plasma is very effective at reducing the vascular inflammation, which restores the blood flow, which restores the energy production. Okay. So now let me go to the next phase of your um, thing, which are, you know, complementary techniques. Mm -hmm. So the, the other one, and, and, and I'm going to use hyperthermia, you got a sauna in your garage there. Right. So when you work out and then you jump in the sauna, there are multiple things that happen as a result of simultaneous oxygen hypoxia or this whole cycle under hyperthermic conditions, hyperthermia being high temperature. Okay. So our den, and it's been proven like going in a sauna with extra oxygen increases the oxygen delivery to the tissues. Okay, but it also makes you sweat. So when you talk about detox, having the water come out with all the garbage that's been dissolved in the water come out and drip off is a detox elimination pathway. Okay, but when we go back to that walking bag of water, like I was talking about the immune system, you got the little, you know, white blood cells swimming around. Anything you do to cause the red blood cells to dump more oxygen into the peripheral tissue basically makes it so those white blood cells are swimming around in a more oxygen-rich bath. So when you do simultaneous LIVO2 with hyperthermia, you're creating heaven for your immune system. I was going to ask about that because I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but oxygen dissociation with hemoglobin is something that's frequently overlooked or not addressed mm -hmm. and how much can you explain a little bit of of what oxygen dissociation from from hemoglobin is and how that is improved utilizing adaptive contrast for the audience what i did is there's a fancy graph that talks about shifting the hemoglobin serve so if you think about a red blood cell as a ball that's got little sticky spots on it that carry oxygen you know every red hemoglobin site will carry some number like 16 or something oxygen molecules and the trick is to get those oxygen molecules to hop off the red blood cell because when they hop off they become usable when they're attached to the red blood cell they're just you know circulating reserve so, a lot of people will only look at blood oxygen saturation, say, using a pulse oximeter, and that gives you a data point, but that doesn't necessarily reflect the amount of oxygen in the body that's able to be utilized, right? Exactly. So, when you think about pulse ox, people have the pulse oxes, and what those do is they shine a light through your finger, and they look at how red your red, red blood, blood is, and the red of the blood, so like when blood is red it's got oxygen when it's purple so if you think about your veins the reason your veins are purple is because the blood that's traveling through them has less oxygen so the red blood cell will go from red to purple as it gives up its oxygen mm -hmm. okay so you know the and and the oxygen it gives up is the oxygen that was delivered to the tissue so the tissues can actually use so say, for instance, you run into somebody and say, man, my oxygen saturation is perfect. It's always 99%. I just look at him and shake my hands like, no, dude, because if your O2 is staying at 99%, almost none of it 
is getting delivered to the cells because it never drops. So if, if your blood doesn't deliver, it's just like the Wells Fargo truck that drives by your house. That son of a gun doesn't deliver any money. It ain't going to do you no good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the, the concept there is that the oxygen delivered and then the oxygen delivered gets metabolized. So in this whole protocol process, anything that you can do that causes those red blood cells to want to deliver their payload is helpful. Okay, so now let's jump back to the conversation about the sauna and the hyperthermia. So, and this picture I'm showing up here is basically the oxygen dissociation curve that says less shift. So when you get a fever, when you got a cold, that higher body temperature basically decreases the affinity or the tendency of the oxygen to stiff. So whenever blood goes into part of the body that's hotter than the rest, it causes that oxygen to want to hop off Mm. and live in the warm tissue, which is the physiological reason why our bodies like to get a fever when we're sick, because that's our bodies trying to optimize the amount of oxygen that's delivered to our cells. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you go in a sauna, you're doing the same thing. The Blood flows through the warmer tissue, decreasing how much the oxygen likes to stick to the blood cell, and it gets dumped off. Therefore, the oxygen level in that tissue goes higher. So when you talk, okay, so now if you've got an immune process, like you've got some little white blood cells that are trying to do something in that body of tissue, if they've got more oxygen to work with, they've got more oxygen to make energy, they can make more energy so they can do more while they're there. So that improves the efficiency of the immune system. So if you think about this hyperthermia, that's one of the mechanisms that you can use to stimulate the VO2 max of your immune system. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Is, is this also happening during the low oxygen, high intensity intervals on the, the LIVO2? Um, the short answer is no, you know, what you're doing on the low oxygen and you got to think more like a fireman or a plumber. Okay. Okay. So, you know, the thing about, and I'm going to discontinue this year. If you think about, you know, the body, you know, you're sitting, you and I are sitting here and our hearts aren't beating very fast. The trick is to basically think about it as a plumbing system. I don't know what we got 60,000 miles of pipes in our body that need to deliver oxygen. And most of the time, those pipes don't, you know, over time, they start not working very well. But if you think like a plumber, your heart is a pump, your lungs are basically gas exchange. So your blood goes into your heart, gets pumped through the lungs, dumps hot carbon dioxide, goes through the heart again, gets pumped through the lungs and gathers oxygen. Okay, but if that oxygen, or if you got some part of your body that's got a problem, chances are the plumbing to that part of your body is screwed up. So the way you want to do that is just think brute force. The harder I can slam the blood or squirt the blood through that part of my body or to that end end point, the more of it's going to get through. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about hypoxia, what the hypoxia does, or hypoxia is a fancy word for low oxygen, it basically says, look, man, you don't have that much oxygen. So what the body does is it compensates for the low oxygen mixture by increasing the volume. So it causes the heart to beat harder and it causes the vascular system to open up so that the fire hose that and the flow that gets delivered to the tissue gets increased. So on the low oxygen, you're basically opening the pathway to deliver oxygen to the tissue. Okay, once you get the pathway open, you flip that switch, 
boom, that pathway is still active. Then you got a crap load of oxygen getting put into the extra blood that's going to the tissue. All right, all right, all right. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. Now let's take a quick second to check out some cool biohacks from this show's sponsors. This episode is also brought to you by Bioptimizers and the Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package. So if any of you guys are dealing with suboptimal digestion, characterized by gas, bloating, your stomach feeling distended or like it's sticking out after certain meals, if you get sluggish, if you deal with constipation or diarrhea, you're going to want to pay attention because it usually comes down to one of three things being off. The first is low stomach acid production, the second is low enzyme production, and the third is gut dis dysbiosis, meaning you have too many of the quote unquote bad bugs in your gut and not enough of the good ones. And the Bioptimizers Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package addresses all of these root causes of suboptimal digestion. It's the best value you could possibly get if you are looking to take 30 days and turn your digestion completely around. And you can get that for just 177 bucks. It's usually 270 bucks by going to buyoptimizers.com forward slash biohacks. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to check out the exclusive Biohacking Secrets upgraded digestion package for just 177 bucks today. All right. Thank you so much for making the Biohacking Secrets Show podcast a part of your day. We appreciate it more than words can express. Now let's get back to the episode. Let me ask you the question. So Anthony, an audience, which part of your body do you not want well oxygenated? I'm having trouble thinking of any. They ain't none. <laughs> okay, because you want every cell in your body, your toenails, your whatever, to be as well oxygenated as possible. And you'll notice that, you know, when people get sick or whatever, you know, think their health starts to go downhill. It's usually the tissues that are farthest from the body or they have the poorest blood supply or oxygen supply that go downhill fast. You know, like the joints, like old people, God dang it, I got arthritis. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because that white tissue has a poor blood supply. Cartilage and ligaments are white because there's no capillaries. Right. When their skin starts to fail, it's usually their toes and the bottom of their feet and their toenails, like in the diabetic case. You know, all that stuff that's farthest from the heart that has the poorest blood supply tends to go downhill first. So when we talk about this adaptive contrast, what we're doing is we're tricking the body into squirting as much blood as it possibly can to those farthest reaches as hard as it can. And then when we throw the switch and we get as much blood going there as possible, it delivers as much oxygen as possible. And what that does is it increases the oxygen level everywhere in the body much more than can be achieved by any other thing that I've ever heard of. It makes complete sense. And I want to ask just to make sure that I understand. So with with hemoglobin and oxygen dissociation, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but as CO2 levels go up, hemoglobin releases oxygen, right? Mm -hmm. And when, when we're exercising or doing a high intensity interval, especially when we're in, we're doing that in a, in a lower oxygen environment, aren't we increasing the amount of CO2 in our body and therefore increasing oxygen's dissociation 
from hemoglobin, like the, the amount of yeah. oxygen that our cells are able to utilize along with the fire hose example you gave, or, or am I jumping to conclusions or missing? No, you're not jumping to conclusions. You're, you're mostly correct. Okay. So the exertion where the muscle or the, the body's engines run, you know, whenever you run that Krebs cycle, which is the energy production, you burn, you know, so cells basically take in glucose, which is fuel and they take in oxygen and then they combine the glucose with the oxygen, which any combustion operation that's efficient will produce carbon dioxide and water. So the carbon dioxide that we're looking at on this thing here that basically causes the vascular and the dissociation is a byproduct. It's the exhaust product of combustion. Okay. So the harder you're working out, the more CO2 you produce. So the harder you're working out, the more CO2 activates the oxygen dissociation from the curve. Okay. Then the other thing is when you're working out, the tissue gets warm because it's creating excess heat mm -hmm. and that activates oxygen release. So, you know, there's all kinds of mechanisms that are a byproduct of, you know, that workout process. So, you know, that workout and intensity. So when you say I'm doing a sprint on hypoxia, you're simultaneously maximizing the oxygen use and you're actually pushing that metabolism a little bit, um, you're actually compromising metabolism. You're causing a production in, in uh, lactic acid. And I'll get to that in just a minute if we've got time. But you're heating it up and you're generating carbon dioxide so that when you, when you switch to oxygen, that oxygenated blood gets there, the transfer process is optimized by all of the factors that move this chart we're looking at. It's basically a dissociation curve to the left. So the exertion facilitates the oxygen transfer. The other thing that's going on that's not hit the books yet is when you talk about why does high-intensity interval training trigger this anti-aging effect. You want to go there? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So when you do these hypoxic sprints, you're causing the muscles to exert under low oxygen conditions. So that causes them to temporarily produce a boatload of lactic acid. And I got to give credit to... Peter at Vasper for teaching me this, but it goes like this. When you create these floods or, you know, bursts of lactic acid, they go into the bloodstream and they hit the pituitary gland. That causes a radical release of human growth hormone. So when you go off and you say, well, why do the people that do high intensity interval training end up having all these anti-aging effects? That's because the training like burst anaerobic exertion and anaerobic is the fancy word for exerting under low oxygen conditions, which causes you to create lactic acid. Okay. So what we're doing in the live O2 with the sprint model is we're using the hypoxic sprint to, to you know, first thing it does is it opens the blood flow. The second thing it does, is it creates a, a lot of lactic acid. Third thing it does is it hits the tissue with oxygen, which causes the lactic acid was created during the sprint to wash out, go hit the pituitary to tickle a, hey, time to release some human growth hormone. Then the oxygen, and it says, wow, this is more oxygen than I've ever had. It super oxygenates the tissue. So the tissue instantly recovers from the exertion. And then, you know, it's like, You've got the best of all worlds. You've got the lactic release. You've got the massive delivery of oxygen. You've got the washout of any garbage that was accumulated. So that's why, for example, when you come off Levo 2 and you're sitting there and you say, wow, man, I did a hard workout. How come I don't hurt? 
How come I feel good? It's all of these things working together that give you that, wow, I feel great, even though I just had a kick-ass workout feeling. I definitely feel that. And I've done many workouts over the years, especially the ones that are highly demanding on the central nervous system, the, the high intensity intervals where, you know, maybe your, your recovery is based on a certain time interval rather than paying attention to how you feel or your heart rate or, or whatever. And I've crashed afterwards and, um, and, and just overdone it, whether you want to call it overtraining or under recovering. I haven't felt that the, the two times that I have used the live O2, I've not felt that I feel great right now. And I have to imagine that there is, that there is a significant application here for people with autoimmune issues, because those are the folks who they want to get back conditioned. They want to get back training, but they feel like whenever they, they do the cookie cutter recommendations that they see all over the internet, which is, you know, high intensity interval training, that's it. They do that and then they're wrecked. You know, they're, they need an afternoon nap or their body hurts for a week. And, 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 and I'm very excited about this, the, the application of this technology for people with autoimmunity. Yeah, um, exactly. So, you know, just a point, which is I would never recommend somebody who's got an issue like that, you know, go out and just go crazy the first time. But what we usually do is, hey, get on there for five minutes and six minutes and seven minutes and kind of build yourself up. And what happens is people get stronger so much faster when they use Livo2, like in a week. You know, they can start out at three minutes. But once they start, they get better and stronger so much faster. And pretty much they're never sore. There's never that downside on the backside of the workout. You know, it's just all uphill. And then, you know, if they got detox to do, that'll start happening automatically. And and so you know, and it doesn't matter how old they are. My dad is 80 odd. I got a, I had a picture of him and, you know, we started training him after he had a stroke and it's like, you know, his, he went back to normal really quick, quickly, like within a, a week. And it's like, you see all these things, it boils down to, there's not, you know, when you, when you train like this, you don't have the downside, you know, it's like you don't end up near as much pain. Now, there's the other side, which is you shouldn't become stupid because you feel better and go out and hurt yourself. That's why we always say, you know, take it easy, build up a little bit at a time. But, you know, you're well conditioned. You train all the time. So, you, you know, your limits, you've already discovered them. But it's all the benefits of high intensity interval training available to anybody that wants it pretty much any time. Yeah, guys, liveo2.com, L-I-V-E-O, and then the number two.com slash biohacks or phone number 970-658-2789. Mark, what does the, the biohacks discount translate to in dollars? I know it depends on whatever setup they want to get. I, I've, got, I've got the setup with, with one machine that takes about... Yeah, so on that machine right there, it's about $240, $250. Okay. Save, save, save 240, 250 bucks. Um, let's, let's bring this puppy home with a couple of your cornerstone protocols so that someone, someone who's listening could know exactly, let's say they, they, they pick up a, a, a live O2 adaptive contrast machine. They want to do some exercise training. They know exactly what to do, you know, how to warm up work interval, rest interval, where's the high oxygen, where's the low oxygen. And then, and then I'm going to pepper you with some uh, rapid fire questions if we have time, but let, let, let's, let's give the audience a couple of your proven protocols. 
Okay. Uh, bread and butter protocol, which is what we kind of recommend for everybody new to it. You know, so if this is like your person that, you know, just getting started and you may say, oh, gee, I haven't worked out in 25 years. This is kind of where we start. And this is basically, well, you get on level two and you go on oxygen for about eight minutes and you cruise. Okay. During that first eight minutes, you're getting more oxygen than you've ever had in your whole life. And then if you feel like it, you can stop, or if you feel like doing a little more, you switch to minus, which would be low oxygen, hypoxic for maybe 30 seconds, cruise for just the same pace. So you're not then, going all out because not yet. just getting not yet. So You just okay. cruise for like 30 seconds. And then, then you do a countdown, five, four, three, two, one, hit it. And then you do a 30 second sprint or 30 counts. It doesn't have to be 30 seconds. And halfway through that sprint, you switch to oxygen. All right. And I'm going to explain the cycle. So what we did there was we basically gave you low oxygen. You know, we oxygenated you to full capacity. Then we took a little bit of the oxygen, like a third of it away. So it's like you're on a commercial airliner. And then your body used up some of the circulating reserve. So that started to open up your vascular system because we created a little bit of hungry, I won't call it starvation effect. And then we kicked up the energy production. All right, because then you're doing the sprint, but halfway through the sprint, your sprint, your sprint kicking on the oxygen. We delivered a lot of oxygen to the tissue for like 15 seconds or 15 count, and then you go back to normal. Okay, and what that did was it created a super oxygenation event, and then in our first protocol, we'll do that about three times, and then you cool down. Okay, the beauty of that workout is almost nobody ever feels sore or gets off like, wow, that was too much. Because what happens is they get in and they get all that oxygen and they just feel good. After, after the, so they do high oxygen for eight minutes, just kind of cruising, then flip it to low oxygen and they kind of continue to cruise for 30 seconds. Then you go into a 30 second sprint where the first 15 seconds is low. And then you, and then the last is high. And the last 15 seconds is high. And then after that, what, what do you do? We wait for them to recover. It, on high oxygen or low oxygen? On high oxygen. Now, okay. by the way, you can get on this. Just go on our website on whole body flush. This is, you know, it's, it's all laid out. So nobody has to work real hard to remember and, it. And we'll link to some of the research and studies and, and things that we've discussed along with the whole body flush and these protocols in the show notes. Right. So anyway, they just do that 30 second followed by a you know, 30 count sprint three times and then they cool down. Okay. Okay. So it's a nice, easy 12 to 15 minute protocol. Everybody that tries it usually comes off and say, wow, I feel nothing but better. Okay. And then, okay. So you said two or three. So the next one we go to is once they have been exercising and, and are really looking to, to experience some of those, some of those, uh, improvements in VO2 max and, and brain, uh, oxygen utilization in the brain. Right. All right. So, so anyway, that protocol, it's elastic. So what you do is, as you get into it, you start stretching out the hypoxic, you might make the sprint a little longer and you just make the hard parts a little longer and that shrinks the oxygen parts. Okay. Okay, So that's sort of an elastic protocol that as you get used to it and you kind of get in there, you can kind of expand that. Then the next protocol we have, we call brain O2 and that's also on the website and there's a lot of data and, you know, mechanics about how that works, but you know, we'll put them on 
I got to be, I got to caution people around Brain02 because in order to do that protocol, the way it's documented, you have to be strong enough to be able to exercise so that you can hear your heartbeat in your head. And if you've been deconditioned for a while, you know, you kind of need to start on the easier protocol and work yourself up until you've got the physical capacity to go to that level. Okay. Okay. So that caution says, so basically brain O2 is you kind of warm up on oxygen, maybe a minute or two, and you switch over to hypoxia, which is the low oxygen and you cruise for, you know, a couple of minutes and you start ramping your cruise and then you're like, you kind of just go and you challenge yourself with hypoxic, maybe two, three, four breaths of oxygen until you spin yourself up to the point where you hear your heart pounding in your head. And then once you hear your heart pounding in your head, you dwell mostly on minus O2 or low oxygen until, you know, you get that. And then you basically sprint and you do two, three, four seconds of oxygen and then recover as little as possible and go back and repeat. And what you're doing is you're keeping this circuit active because for most people, it takes a lot to get to the point where you hear your heart pounding in your head. If you go to oxygen for too long, then you'll drop out of that flow circuit. So what we're trying to do is to keep you spun up with that circuit active and then blast the brain with as much oxygen as possible over short periods of time, you know, three to seven or three to 10 seconds, but never give so much oxygen and rest that you get to the point where you can't hear your heartbeat in your head. Cause once you fall out of that pattern, you got to spin back up there and that's a lot of work. So we'll hold them in that, you know, flow pattern for anywhere between two and 10 minutes. And what that does is it repeatedly blasts the brain with a lot of oxygen. Like on that picture I showed you with the, my brain, you know, you can see all the zigzags, which you get to the thing. Each one of those dips is basically me sprinting and starving my brain of oxygen. Then when it gets oxygen, it goes higher than it did last time. So I'm doing this sawtooth where the total <coughs> peak oxygen, in my brain goes high, but that's basically short recovery. Keep the head pounding in the head, just oxygen after oxygen. And then after, you know, 15 minutes or so, you've had two to three minutes of oxygen or five, 10 minutes, you've had maybe a very short period of oxygen, but it was so intense that the brain's had its own buffet of oxygen. Does that make okay. sense? I think so. Uh, so the brain O2 protocol, you're warming up on oxygen for one or two minutes, then you go to, to, to low oxygen and you kind of cruise and then start working in some sprints where you're actually getting to where you can feel your heartbeat in your head. Yep. And then when you like, you, when you can't go anymore, you switch to high oxygen, but you're only going for a few breaths. So if a you breath like, like two to two to four or five breaths, yeah. we're not even talking 30 seconds here. We're just, no, we're, no. We're so you, you basically keep this cause you work so hard to get your heartbeat in your head. Yeah. You know, after you get there, you don't want to lose it. Right. What you do is you short, do short bursts of oxygen. So you send floods of oxygen to the brain. And then, you know, that basic, because it doesn't take much oxygen to flip to recover. I mean, that was one of the interesting discoveries of this whole process. It takes, you know, like, you know, when I train, you know, on a good day, I'll do 30 to 45 minutes on the bike. And I'll max out at three to four minutes worth of oxygen on the whole session. In, in a 30 to 45 minute session? Yeah, I'll, I'll do... 40, 40 minutes of low oxygen and maybe four to five minutes of oxygen in very short periods because once you're conditioned, it takes very little to recover. 
That's interesting. Bounce back like that, you know, and, and my interval between sprints is maybe a minute. So I'll do a sprint and then I'll, you know, basically I'll warm up, I'll do a sprint or I'll, you know, I'll hypoxic, then I'll do a sprint and I'll say, Oh God, I can't take anymore. I get my heartbeat as high as I can. Uh, and then I'll flip to oxygen, recover three to four breaths, switch off oxygen, recover the rest of the way on hypoxia, go back into a sprint. And, and so that's the, 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 the focus of the protocol. And, and by the way, anybody that wants to do this, if you got the product, what you do is we've got trainers. So, you know, we've got our own video training platform built in. So you just come to us and once you buy the product, you get assigned uh, a trainer and we'll actually video train you through the process. And, you know, Anthony, next week or whenever you want to go there, you just hook up and, you know, I'll take you through it and kind of show you. Because I realize a lot of this stuff's a little complicated until you've done it a few times and you understand the physiology. And it's really hard to try to explain this stuff on a podcast because you either need to see it or feel it because it's too much to understand. But when you're doing it, you got somebody coaching you through it. It's easy. Right, right. Don't yeah. overthink it. I'm looking at the Brain O2 protocol and, and to you know, just, just reiterate what I did today, I was going all out for 30 seconds at low O2. And the last 10 to 15 seconds were miserable. I mean, like uh, very, very challenging to keep pushing. And then when I flipped it to high O2, I mean, I was, I was close to that terminal gasp point where I was just huffing and puffing the way I felt today being, you know, I'd, I'd only really done, we'll call it like half a session yesterday, just cause I wanted to get some in, but the way I felt today, three or four breaths would not have done it. I mean, I was <gasps> on high oxygen. Well, that's because you're still in, you're still getting used to it. You're not conditioned. Yeah. You know, like you will have this conversation in three more days and you won't be the, believe the difference. Okay. All right. Awesome. I dig it. I mean, your recovery time is going to fall. And actually there's another thing. It's like, you got a lot of people out there that recover, you know, the other, you know, I talked about, and I'm, giving you a little bit of a non sequitur, but for the athletes watching the program, you know, you can use Livo2 pre-performance as a warm-up. but the other big way to use it is if you've gone out and you did a hardcore training, use Livo2 as your cool down on your training days. Because when you go work out, like in this protocol, you know, when you go work out, what you're doing is you're accumulating lactic acid, you're causing some tissue damage. If you can finish that workout by super oxygenating the body, your recovery time from about any workout you ever want to do will go down to half or less than half of what you're used to. Yeah. What, what does that look like? So let's say, let's say one of our businessmen, entrepreneurs, listeners has, has done a hard training session. They've got their live O2 machine and they want to accelerate their recovery. How do they, how do they bookend or at least put it on the end of their workout? Yeah. So, you know, like, I'd say, you know, new users start out with whole body flush, which is just the mostly oxygen. Mm -hmm. But after you've kind of got used to live O2, what I do is, you know, I just go do brain O2, which is a hardcore protocol, because even those few seconds of oxygen will, will do the trick, you know, and you will seldom if ever get off sore or fatigued by doing the brain O2 at the end. Now, I guess I call it a modified brain O2 because I'll do more oxygen cool down and usually end the recovery sprint with some, with some sprints on pure oxygen, as opposed to that, because the concept, and I'm sorry if I'm a little fragmented, the concept you're looking for is if you're using LIVO2 as a cool down after a workout is you want to end the series with 
maybe some 15 count sprints on pure oxygen. All right, but you want some hypoxic before that because the concept here is you got your legs are a little beat up or whatever muscle you're using is going to have some inflammation. It's going to be tending or want to tend to get sore. So what you want to do is you want to take those tissues and you want to flush all the fluids out and you want to get them as oxygenated as possible by the time you step off. So what you want to do is you want to go back and you want to use the hypoxia to go ahead and maximize the volume of blood going to those muscles. All right. And then you want to end the hypoxia by doing a nice long sprint on oxygen. So low oxygen blood to get it going and then establish the pattern, throw the switch, continue the sprint so that you're taking super oxygenated blood and squirting it to those tissues that you've been training. All right. And you do two or three laps of that. And once you hit those, those muscles with that super oxygenated blood, it'll usually wash out any junk or lactic acid that's in there. And if you've done any, you know, created any inflammation, like the vascular inflammation I was talking about by, by overtraining, that will usually reset. So that when you go to bed, all those muscles are going to be super oxygenated. And when they start to heal from whatever structural damage you did by your training, they're going to heal much faster, usually twice as fast. I love it. Guys, one last time for those of you that want to get the, the live o, the live O2 adaptive contrast oxygen training in your life, you go to live O2.com slash biohacks or give them a call at 970-658-2789. You'll save about 250 bucks until December 15th. If it's after that call in and see if, uh, see if they can still hook you up. Thank you so much. Appreciate having you on the show, man. And, uh, yeah. This is, this is some great technology, and I'm, I'm honored to have it as a part of my weekly workouts. Awesome. Thank you, Anthony. What's up, guys? Anthony here, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted and all-day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities, and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one -on -one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, Candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like 
like MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one clients if they're relevant for you in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program's full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G and fill out the short application form. If you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community, and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together. 